Welcome to Speak of the Devil. My name is Reverend Campbell, and today I'm being joined by Warlock Jeff Bolin. How you doing, my man? Yes, yes. At long last, the beard of knowledge has come to defend, righteously defend the actions of your chickens. I did not see that coming. Thank you for having me, man. And uh, thank you for bringing up this topic. It's one that... Um, quite frankly, just doesn't get discussed enough, and we're probably not going to do it any justice tonight. So sorry y'all tuned in. <laughs> Thanks for the... That's it for the show, then. <laughs> we're just going to shit the bed, so what are we going to do? Uh, no, this... I, I saw a comment. Um, thank you so much for clearly watching at least some of my shows. I really genuinely... I don't know why anyone does, but I genuinely appreciate it. But I saw a comment you mentioned about that, and I thought, well, why not put together a, you know, a show talking specifically about Midas Right, because I've talked about the book, I've literally read the book, um, uh, you know, I've talked to Underworld Amusements about the book, but we've never really dissected the, the, the philosophy, you know, the, the idea behind Midas Right. And I think, you know, with you, I think we can pretty much get to a, a, a solid understanding, or try to anyway, because again, <laughs> I'm only giving us an hour, so we're going to do our right. best. Uh, before I dive into everyone uh, in the chat here, um, today is actually an a, 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 um, observed holiday, right? It is. Today is uh, National uh, Prisoners of War and Missing in Action Recognition Day. Uh, it's a day that, that is set aside in the United States to, uh, to honor and remember those soldiers, sailors, airmen, and Marines who uh, went missing in action or were captured as uh, enemy combatants, prisoners of war. Yeah. Um, so it's a, it's a big day and especially in the veteran circles. Yeah. Well, I want to give a quick plug for Infernal Legion, uh, which you run for any Satanists out there who is a veteran or an active duty soldier, uh, look it up. I mean, it, you're, you're in all social media and you have your own podcast yeah. and everything, right? Yeah. We're, we're everywhere. We got, we have an official podcast on radio free Satan. Um, we're on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and right. any, any type of social media, uh, Thing you can think of we we found a presence there <laughs> yeah you gotta do what you gotta do i appreciate you uh supporting those uh of us who have served or are serving uh, because sadly enough not enough of the country they serve does yeah robert thanks for joining live really appreciate seeing you gregory how you doing man it's been a bit miss book club um valeria how are you doing hon really love to see you uh, JD Sword, we're going to touch lightly on it, but we're not going to try to pronunciate, the, <laughs> pronunciate, <laughs> pronounce those words. Uh, Jeff, how you doing, man? It's great to see you, man. Uh, William, thanks for joining live. Really always good to see you. Uh, Mike, what up? Who else we got here? Dwayne, how you doing, man? Thanks for tuning in. Uh, Jason, great to see you. Joaquin, my man across the pond, how you doing? Thanks for staying up. Fareeth, good to see you. Robert, I appreciate that. I really do. Thank you so much. Lilith, love you. How are you? Uh, let's see. Who else? Who else? Zach, thanks for joining live. Vasuri, Vasuri. Like it's been too long, man. Way too long. Tony, thanks for tuning in live. Dallas, what is up? Jameson, how you doing? Wes, Vanderpool, my man in Amsterdam. In the his house. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for joining live. What's up, Greg? All right. If you have any questions or comments, or you think we are full of shit, or you just want to, I don't know, pose a thought that you think is going to trigger us, it won't, but we'll address it. 
put it in live chat. We appreciate even dissenting ideas because ultimately this is about exposure to concepts. And if you are never exposed to alternate concepts, then you are just a lemming. And that's what we're trying to avoid <laughs> by talking about it. So Stephanie, thanks for joining live. How are you? What's up, Tara? Okay, let's get into this. We're going to start with a couple of definitions to break down what might is, what right is, and what might is right as an idea is. We're going to talk about where it comes from, and then we're going to bounce around some ideas about the, I, the philosophy behind it and ultimately what it means practically to a Satanist and the world at large. I hope we can get through all that, but let's, the only way we're going to do it is if I shut up. So let's talk about some <laughs> definitions which are always stretched. So what is might? Might is a noun. <laughs> it is the power, authority, or resources wielded as an individual or as a group. This is important to understand. If you don't understand this concept, and it, it seems like it should be very simple, but people always conflate this with one form of might over a, a, a veritable cornucopia of forms of might. Uh, hopefully <laughs> right. we're going to be able to address some of them. Uh, so what is might uh, is right here. What is right is an adjective uh, being in accordance with what is just, good, or proper. And one may pose the question, <laughs> how do you define what is just, good, and proper? <laughs> is there some divine message or book that we could, I don't know, read and then understand or, or maybe go to a pulpit and someone could pound it into our ears with their preaching. Well, you could do that, or you could just look at nature. Because the idea of right is subjective. It is not an objective truth or reality. And understanding that point is incredibly important. Now, I, I, I think it was last episode of Nine Cents, I talked about how the culture of the indigenous peoples in North America before the white man came was <laughs> vicious and very different than what we conceive as good, just, and right, and proper. But that is literally their lifestyle that they honed through thousands and, you know, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of evolution. Our very Victorian-based ideals are dramatically different. And so we have to understand that there is a perspective when it comes to what is right in order to understand, ultimately, might makes right. And that is used to say that people who have power are able to do what they want because no one can stop them. Now, I understand. Pretty much sums it up right there. If, yeah, we don't need to do the show anymore. <laughs> awesome. Good show, Jeff. <laughs> uh, if you're coming into this either as a Satanist who just hasn't done a lot of studying or as an individual who cares about other humans for no particular reason other than the fact that they exist, you're probably not going to agree or understand what we're saying here. But we're right. basing our ideas off of uh, established philosophy, literature, and nature. And you have every right to disagree with that. And by all means, put it up there if you do. But if you're choosing to tune in, you're going to hear us out. So um, what do you think about those definitions, Jeff? Uh, did they lack in anything, any a bit of minutia of what might makes right. No, no, no. I think I think the definitions are spot on. I think the the problem with the concept and why it gets uh, either embraced into such a, a, a strange degree by a certain mm -hmm. section of people and completely disregarded by another section of people is that it's it's so simple of a concept 
that it just can't be true. <laughs> it, right. uh, it, it seems to us that, uh, as and by us, I mean the general us of humanity, that there has to be something beyond just simple natural law. And I think that's where people start to get lost in the weeds. Um, I think at the end of the day, it really does just boil down to a very simple concept of might making right. Yeah, it. I think it's compounded, you know, to to your point about this misunderstanding that there isn't this sort of set of laws. You know, as much as America is not a Christian-founded nation, it is a nation founded by Christians. And Absolutely, the yeah. difference between those two statements is that one is this idea of a, a culture that you're raised in that will forever inevitably influence your thought processes versus actively seeking out that Bible and using it as inspiration. You know, mm -hmm. the, and it's not just, again, I referenced uh, Victorian morals. You know, this, this comes from Europe and it's ultimately because of the power of the Roman Catholic Church all the way back to Emperor Constantine where he foisted this religion on the world at large. And so everyone who was raised within that shadow of ultimately what it comes down to is fear and lies can't help but use that as a basis for thinking. You know, we are greatly informed by our culture and the society that we were raised in. And it is only few of us, as we've seen through uh, history, there are breakout groups, you know, there's um, right. hellfire groups um, that, that come out and, and challenge the status quo. Those are mm -hmm. rare. And Satanists have that same tradition, that same lineage of breaking out of those social norms. And this idea of might is right certainly came out of that same uh, segment of questioning what was being, uh, what was happening around the individuals that, that really brought this out. And this goes back way further than just the book Might is Right. Right, right? yeah, no. Might, might is Right is just, uh, the, and I'm talking about the book, not the concept. Right. The, the book Might is Right is simply uh, one of the many tomes that have uh that have been written concerning this uh this concept uh the concept itself arguably goes back to the dawn of time or at least the dawn of life biological life uh on earth because it is it is a concept about life that's a very important thing it's a concept about biological life not necessarily a statement about the cosmos or or how the universe operates it's a statement about biological life here on earth as we understand it uh and you could argue that it goes back to the dawn of time, but it was initially put into, um, I guess you could say words or, uh, or into an argument by ancient Greek philosophers. And as you mentioned, we're not going to attempt to pronounce some of their names because they are ridiculous, yeah. but, um, <laughs> but they, they were the first ones to try and, uh, tell the story of what they were seeing happen in biological life. And, and as a result of that, it comes out of a martial, um, way of understanding the world that comes out of, out of a military aspect. And this is where I think it's really important to understand that this comes from a military mindset. But as you and I both know, it is not always the best weapons or the strongest men who win wars. It's almost always the best tactics that win wars. Yeah. And obviously the ancient Greek philosophers knew this as well. So when they're discussing might, they're discussing the ability to win not necessarily brawn. And that is the great debate that comes down to modern observance of this concept, right? Because it, mm. ultimately it's individuals who seemingly 
don't either know their power or don't believe they have power or just have never cultivated it. Seeing yeah. a statement like that and saying that can't possibly be right. You know, I, I'm, I'm of worth. I'm of substance. My mom told me I was. You know, and then there's there's individuals with who know their strength, who know their power and exert it on a regular basis. And they say, no, it's it's a fact. It, it, it's real. And, and, and we see it throughout not only all of history, but we're seeing it today. And oh, yeah. what what people seem to also try to conflate with it is a particular political uh, or social uh, social angle to it. And it it doesn't fall in those lines at all. It really no, comes down to no. the individual or the collective, which is generally controlled by an individual exerting their will or their right. Exactly. It, it comes down, you hit the nail on the head with the word will. It comes down to the, the I guess you could say Nietzschean concept of will to power. Yeah. Um, that's, what, that's what might is right is all about. It's about power dynamics and, and how power is wielded, how it is exchanged between people. And, uh, and Nietzsche himself even argued that the only... Uh, the only debate about what is right can only be had between those who have equal power. Um, anyone who is beneath them or above them is having a totally different conversation that, that, that doesn't even apply, which again brings might is right back to the individual basis. And that's the really important part here. It is how the individual creates and interacts with power dynamics in their world around them. Mm -hmm. This is a point that Satanists should especially sort of, you know, tune their hearing aids into, because the <laughs> truth is, is that if you're a Satanist and you do not use lesser magic, i.e. exert right. your will on the world around you, you're kind of doing it wrong. Like, that's the, that's the <laughs> point. It's, it's acknowledging that you have power. It's working to hone the power. And then it's practicing exerting the power. And right. that and, is and, what it and means. Acknowledging to being a, and, and, you know, Anton LaVey was very big on this. It doesn't necessarily matter what your power level is. Yeah. It is using what you have at, at your availability to the best, in, in the best manner possible to maximize yeah. your vital existence. Yeah. So, you know, as Satanists, it's easy not to, well, it should be easy not to use that concept and then compare to others. Ultimately, we're not a religion of comparing to other people or being or aspiring to be someone other than your best version of you. And so mm -hmm. when, when you are looking at power or exerting your will, again, you need to look inward, understand how to hone that tool, how to sharpen that tool, and then you can properly exert it. But that is literally what we're speaking to when we're talking about power. We're not talking about the guy who bullied you in high school, though he clearly <laughs> exerted his power and right over you if you allowed him to do so. Right. Uh, we're not talking about the girlfriend who broke up with you or the boyfriend who broke up with you, because clearly it probably wasn't going to work out anyway, and you probably shouldn't have kissed their best friend. So what we're talking about is... Let's just be honest here. Yeah. <laughs> or if you're going to do that, at least do it behind the dugout, not in front of it where they're watching. Um, no, I mean, my point is, is that we need to focus clearly on the application. And so we can see this in world governments. Clearly, America feels this um, uh, need to exert its might on the rest of the globe. And sometimes it does it pretty well, if not exemplary, and sometimes not so well. Now, you know, we can always explore <laughs> Afghanistan. Uh, I was just going to bring up <laughs> Afghanistan. We can explore Afghanistan in the context of a, a different show. Um, but you can't argue 
that we went in thinking it was going to be another Gulf War, you know, day in, day out, and we're done. And it ended up being a 20-year fiasco. So who has the might in this situation? Clearly, it wasn't the United States. It was the defunct and corrupt and, in my opinion, retarded culture that is in Afghanistan and the Taliban themselves. That's just my opinion. But they clearly had the might and the right because they exerted it on us, right? What's that? I said that in the military industrial complex, which was is is quite powerful. And, um, you know, while it, it could be argued that the United States military, quote unquote, lost the war in Afghanistan, there's no question that the military industrial complex won. Yeah. <laughs> I do want to um, bring up uh, really quick because I, I feel like we should have done this already. But um, Megas Gilmore in his Stanic Scriptures has a wonderful essay, yes. which is the primer for fledgling misanthropologists. I always mispronounce that. And then Master Nemo has a really great essay called Might is Not Always Right, even though the conclusion of that essay, I would argue, proves the point rather than the headline. <laughs> right. And we're, we're going to get into that a little bit later. <laughs> um, but they're both brilliantly framed and succinct much better than we're going to be doing here so please do yourselves a favor read those two essays and i'm sure there's many more by many other brilliant satanic minds but those are just the two that are in the forefront of mine uh now might makes right it's a society's view of right and wrong and it's determined by those in power with a meaning similar to history is written by the victors and i've spoken about this in the past about history is literally his story meaning he who has defeated his enemies gets to write the history about him and his enemy because he defeated him and that you may not agree with that as being fair or just or whatever those terms mean but that is the reality as we have come to inherit for all of human history it's never a case where we look at the ancient uh picts when the vikings came and decided to uh, ravage them and take over what is now ireland in order to uh, spread their farm and spread their seed across the globe, whether it was fair or not, the <laughs> Irish at the time or the Picts at the time don't have a historical say in the matter. The fact is, is that it happened, and that's where Irish and Scottish came from. So yeah. you can like it if you want, or you can dislike it, but the truth is it happened. They have the voice, the victors, and that is right, because that's the only possible thing that can be right, because it's the thing that happened. Right. And, and, you know, to kind of, because I already know, I can already hear the comments uh, building up in people's minds about this. Uh, these things do change. History does change. It yeah. gets rewritten. Um, and I would argue that uh, when a, a group that may be considered disenfranchised or something like that attempts to rewrite the story that we have, the narrative we have now, that is them attempting to exercise their might over the situation. Sometimes they will succeed. Sometimes they will not. But in any case, even when we start to learn more, when people change the narrative, it's still just groups exercising their power. Yeah. Yeah. And again, we can't we can't ascribe in every case a political or social side to that idea because it does shift with time, as we've seen recently. So although all people have their personal ideas of good. Only those strong enough to overcome obstacles and enemies can put their ideas into effect and spread their own standards to society at large. Now, again, as Satanists, 
We cannot think in terms of fair or good or right because they're subjective. You should only care about what those mean to you as the individual exercising your will. Don't worry about other people because once you leap over that fence, you no longer become an individual. You become a slave to the other. You become a slave mm -hmm. to who you're catering your behavior to. You become a slave to who you're considerate of feelings to. And of course, there's going to be instances in life where you want to do that for chosen loved ones that you have around, close friends that maybe you want to tiptoe around because you care for them and respect them. But for society at large, for the average human out there, why would you ever care? They don't care about you. You need to focus on how you can be the best version of you and exert your will over them to get what you want. It's yeah, not, absolutely. it's just, it, I, I can't stand this idea that we see so much in modern society about fairness. Nothing about life is equal. There's no such thing as the idea, the concept of equality. There's a manufactured ideal that has never been able to successfully be employed in a society, but mm -hmm. we have to divorce ourselves of those ideas because they just don't exist. It's all relative. Almost all of that, reality is relative. And that speaks too with the when when discussing a topic like might is right or might makes right. Um, it speaks to the, the satanic notion of stratification as well. All of society, all of humanity is stratified. Water seeks its own level. Um, and so when you're discussing might makes right, it isn't a uh, it isn't betraying yourself to say, oh, I, I accept that might makes right. I'm going to utilize this understanding of the world to emphasize my power. That doesn't mean that there aren't going to be people more powerful than you. Oh, yeah. In society, there is echelons above you, no matter where you're at, and below you. Yeah. I mean, that's just a reality. I, Nietzsche framed it in the construct of master and slave, right? Right, master-slave morality. Yeah. I don't know that I would go, because those are such loaded terms, I don't know if I would go to that <laughs> length in a modern um, context. Because ultimately, slavery is a very real thing still, but... It's much more real than Americans want to admit that it is, you know, but right. around the world, slavery is a huge <laughs> situation that's still happening. Right, And so it, it is important to point out that when Nietzsche speaks of master-slave morality, the idea of uh, master, and this is something we, we mentioned earlier and we're going to keep coming back to, yeah. um, that the master is one who has control over their own life and their actions and, and exercises their will to power, and that the slave or the slave mindset, the slave morality is largely, in his view, uh, a Judeo-Christian value. So those who adhere to Judeo-Christian values. Now, obviously, uh, as Judeo-Christianity wanes and, and starts to fall off the map, there are any number of philosophies waiting and hungry to pick up that, uh, that yoke and slap it right back on the, the slave-minded. But I do have issues with Nietzsche's idea of master-slave morality, um, just like I have issues with the concept of social Darwinism and whatnot. I, I don't think they're complete ideas, certainly not as complete as the very simple phrase, might makes right. right. <laughs> well, and that's why I, I, I always find it frustrating whenever I run across anyone that starts to speak about Satanism and tries to apply, whether it's objectivism or, um, uh, I mean, any philosophy that... Uh, Anton LaVey took notes from in order to right. write the standard Bible and, and codify Satanism. 
they they try to ascribe those totality of those philosophies to Satanism. And one thing as Satanists we have to always remember is that we take what we like from something and we discard what we don't like from something. And right. it, sometimes it's that exact same, you know, it's, it's the next idea or the follow-up or the progression of those ideas and that philosophy that we disregard. Because ultimately what it comes down to is a rational, pragmatic approach to living carnally in this ridiculous right, yeah. world that we have. It's not to a, a, adhere to some structural philosophy that we never claimed to adhere to in the first place. Right. It's um, uh, and I'm going to paraphrase because uh, it comes from the Satanic Bible, but it's just like Anton LaVey said, you know, man, man has a need for ritual and dogma. Yeah. But ultimately, we should not be letting other people describe that dogma to us. We should be creating our own individual dogma that suits us in life. And that comes with our own morality of right and wrong and good and evil or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Completely subjective. But we as individuals, as Satanists, have to develop that for ourselves and not be spoon-fed it by someone else. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so this master-slave morality, you know, we start with the idea of the essence of master morality is nobility, values uh, open-mindedness, courageousness, trustworthiness, acute sense of self-worth. Some of those I jump right behind the idea of owning your own sense of self-worth. That's not meaning bloviating your sense of self-worth. That means no. owning up to who you actually are, the talents and abilities you actually have, the work that you're doing to improve what you feel needs to be improved on. Not saying that I am the greatest, I am the highest embodiment <laughs> of human life. Bow. You know, <laughs> uh, mind you, this is, it's the same guy who said, uh, whatever doesn't kill you only makes you stronger. So he's fully admitting that, you know, uh, no one's going to have the answers. It's about the mindset. Yeah. Do, you, do you function under master morality or slave morality? Well, and, and that's encapsulated in masters create morality and slaves respond. So we can see this very clearly in the power of any Abrahamic religion. Clearly, yeah. there are people in positions of power, the masters, who are at the top echelons or in even lower echelons of control over what we refer to as the herd, you know, basically the general public who is adhering to these, you know, God-adoring uh, ideas. They are forsaking their individuality openly and willingly for some future <laughs> fabricated idea, some spiritual pipe dream. Right. Um, clearly, we see that as absurd but that is what we're meaning by master and slave. Sometimes it's the same religion that is exemplifying both ideas, which right. should be very clear to the slaves, and yet they're actually okay with it, and they're willingly going along. You know, I mean, that's it's this idea that uh, the doctor, her doctor, uh, put into play in, in one of his essays that the the masochist is actually the one in power because they're the ones allowing the sadist to to you know engage with them to to uh show their right. power over them and they have the safe word and they can stop at any time so really the slave is the master you want to extrapolate that out to the slave in the term of religion well all it takes is one individual to say you know what i don't want to be what you want me to be anymore i'm gonna just focus i'm gonna do me and then that <laughs> yeah. that relationship's broken. i'm not gonna turn this cheek again it's, the it's difference nice. <laughs> yeah and, and the real power of that difference is that most will never do that because they simply either are not aware that they could or they don't want to put in the effort to do. And, right. and that's, a, that's a big issue. That defines, you know, I, I started Nine Cents with this entire idea that mankind was um, broken up in, in potentiality. 
And we just have worker bees as humans. They, they exist. Not every human is a worker bee, but we have more than you would think that we do. And that means right. we just have humans that go about their daily lives, accepting the reality that's placed in front of them, accepting the limitations that are placed in front of them. They never try to break out of the mold that is placed in front of them. They're content with their lot. And I think that's utter horseshit, and we need to be able to break free of that. But that is the slave mentality, and it will be right. ever present in human beings because that's the majority of us. Yeah, as insane as that yeah. is. Well, there's a, there's a reason why in in Satanism we use terms like alien elite, you know, and things like that because it's not something that the uh, the common man can understand. It just isn't. Hell, the common man's probably never read a book a day in his life anymore. <laughs> that drives me nuts, but yeah, you're right. Um, let's move the conversation over a little bit to social Darwinism as uh, how it applies natural selection and survival of the fittest to sociology, economics, and, and politics. Do you want to speak to that for a minute? Sure. So um, this this concept of social Darwinism, it's, it's often argued that Satanism uh, has an element of social Darwinism to it. And it does. Um, but I don't believe that that element is as outspoken as a lot of people would like to think that it is, or that, that certain critics of, of Satanism and the church of Satan, uh, believe it to be. Hmm. Um, so again, it, like, as you said, it, it's taking the, the ideas, the Darwinian ideas of natural selection, survival of the fittest and applying those into, um, society in general, whether it be economic, sociology, politics, um, power dynamics. Mm -hmm. um, there's so many wildly different schools of thought within the greater social Darwinism sphere. Um, and most of them can't agree with each other on anything, but they, what they do agree to is two simple uh, ideas. The strong see their wealth and power increase and the weak see their wealth and power decrease, or in other words, the strong rule the weak. Mm. There is an aspect of that in Satanism, and that is, you know, uh, as, as most Satanists are fond of saying, the strong rule the weak and the clever rule the strong. Um, uh, it, it, there is that aspect of that. But I think that any actual look at um, economics, politics, sociology, any of those things that they try to apply natural selection and survival of the fittest to, what you see is not that the wealth and power of the weak decrease. When that starts to happen, uh, when, when, the, when the strong or the rich or whatever start to go this way and the weak or the poor start to go this way, inevitably that breeds the grounds for revolution. And generally speaking, people that you would view maybe as weak end up rising up and becoming the strong. Um, what we actually see happening, especially in uh, societies like, for example, the United States of America, or in general, the Western world, you know, which is such a catch-all term, but uh, Europe, US, Canada, Australia, the, the broad Western world, is that when society is, has the ability for everyone to become better than their, than their lot in life may suggest, uh, those two things go together. Now, the rich... And this is certainly an economics conversation. The rich may outpace the uh, the poor, um, but the poorest person in America is still rich compared to third world countries. Right. So, uh, so the 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 weak or the poor they tend to go up as the strong goes up when you're living in a proper society. Now, it could be argued that in our current society, 
we're starting to see the rubber band effect. They're starting to to go down while the other one goes up. And if that continues happening, well, as as Ragnar Redbeard said, what man has created, man can't destroy. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's, I mean, that's when we start to get into the argument that, that the, 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 the concept that men can destroy the problems that are beset them economically or socially is true, but whether or not they have the will to do it right. is something entirely different. And we can see this um, extrapolated out to local uh, state and federal elections where the system of government that, that most of the Western world uh, operates under is based around that we we have this say in whether or not a leader or another leader has some sort of influence over our state in our society and then we by and large if numbers prove out we ignored the opportunity and so we don't actually exhibit our will in any way at all we just sort of sit home and say well what are you gonna do that's literally right, well, abdicating, you know, your your power. You're you're forgetting the fact that you have power. You're ignoring that you have power. And when power is presented to you, literally on in, in like a paper ballot, you're like, eh. I'd rather. It, it could be, I think, effectively argued that the system of uh, elections in general is is created by the powerful to keep the weak at bay. Um, I think it was Mark Twain that said, uh, if voting made any difference, they wouldn't let you do it. <laughs> that's so, that's uh, interesting that's actually really cool and, <laughs> i mean we should definitely have a, a conversation about this in more detail in the future um because i do have but i agree to say with about you it, when, but when yes have, I, I do agree with the sentiment of what you're saying right. like there there are so many people who will not exercise their will to power or just don't have the will to power to begin mm -hmm. with yeah. um and that goes back to what you were talking about earlier the overwhelming majority of humanity are the herd yeah i know that that using that language you know like the herd is is frowned upon these days i'm not sure why because they act like a herd yeah <laughs> well and, and christians literally call themselves sheep like they are right. they're they're jesus is you know they're just shepherds sheep that's that's what they call themselves so i, I don't right. understand why it's a bad thing <laughs> if that's what they call themselves so there's also this idea about right right makes right versus mm. might makes right Right. This was a very interesting article. I uh, it was a little hard to get through the language barrier, but I think I got the concept of what he was saying. In it. Yeah. I, so the idea is that there's this absolute personification of right, this idea of mm -hmm. absolute truth. So right is right is theoretically carried inside the mouths and minds of richer men, but in reality, they use money power. We can extrapolate mm -hmm. this again and, and apply this directly to religious movements, where you see any type of televangelist or or uh, religious individual in any position of power literally defining what right means and yet yeah. they're the ones with all of the money with all of the power defining it so right. right makes right is still personified in the idea of might makes right because they're still in positions of power right right so and and there's a that's a really important uh concept in that um that i think a lot of people get lost in the weeds because the the media and the government and whatever they're very good at what they do they're very powerful and they know how to exercise that mm -hmm. but they are using the same tools that are available to all of us we all have the ability to utilize the internet to utilize money there's people say this all the time like oh the rich are hoarding money go get some money 
It's not, you know, like, it takes work and it takes it. And you may not ever be some of these guys. Yes, they're gaming the system, but you can game that same system. They've shown you how to do that. Mm-hmm. So the tools exist, but uh, to use your religious example, when a, um, when a pastor of some, or someone of that nature, someone in that position distracts you with ideas of, uh, of heaven or uses language like that is in the Bible, you know, it's easier for a camel to pass the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Uh, that is a distraction to keep you from realizing that you can use the same tools that he used to trick you into this position. Yeah. Yeah. And for those who are listening to this and arguing that you know, maybe we shouldn't be applying so much religious dogma to this topic. We, we kind of have to, because that's how the human culture has evolved. You know, right. the, the entire middle ages, the Victorian era, the, the burgeoning revolution era, the, it's all informed by the Abrahamic religions. And it still is in incredible control of portions over this world. Um, and so you can't, you can't address issues without addressing the gigantic Abrahamic problem in the room. Like, right. and, and no, the only can, reason why always... I'm even addressing it is a problem, because let's be honest, they've been wildly <laughs> successful. So that is literally might. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're exercising might is right uh, in, in that concept. And we can always extrapolate it out. I think I mentioned earlier, like uh, uh, the, the, the concept of Nietzschean slave morality. Um, Judeo-Christianity is, is the biggest and most ready example of that, but you can extrapolate that out to, uh, political parties, to sports teams, you know, like all of these are the same, uh, uh, concept in that they empower those who, uh, are, are exercising their will to power who are Mm -hmm. over these things, uh, while enslaving the, the weaker, um, the old, to use the sports team analogy, the old saying, uh, you know, oh, who won the game last week? The NFL won the game last week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think that's fair. Uh, Pursuit of Ecstasy says, I would even say the mainstream atheism is affected by religious morality. Oh, certainly. And I would say, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, they're, they're still clinging to those Victorian ethics, those Victorian morals that were ingrained in them, you know, from childhood as are we all some of us break free from them but you know if if you at any time say we still tend to fall into those traps even if it's just language you know we still tend to fall into those traps sometimes sometimes it's a legal issue you know we fall into those traps because of you know laws and that's really what it comes down to which are again informed by those same victorian we can shift and talk about law for a minute because there seems to be this notion that that uh, justice is as doled out by the government is somehow fair and uh, and doesn't uh, that that it somehow opposes the idea of might makes right. But when you break a law, it's it's a, a guy with a gun coming to enforce the law, and then they're going to lock you up in a big house that's patrolled by guys with guns. <laughs> so uh, uh, the very essence, the very nature of government um, proves might makes right because they depend on their might to remain in power yeah and we could talk about anarchism and coercion and all that stuff as well in, in that topic but that's going off on a tangent <laughs> but it, it is a, a fair point to bring up because ultimately we need to we need to understand and we we mentioned this briefly at the top of the show as well but there are you know where we find ourselves 
in this whole scheme of, of might makes right is, is very levels uh, around human structure on this earth, right? Because right. ultimately right. most of us <laughs> belong to a society which is governed, which has leaders that exercise that governing power that we have entrusted in them, that pass laws that affect our individual lives. So we've literally put the people in power that impose that power down upon us. So whenever we feel like we're being stepped on, you can blame ourselves. And as much as we want to argue that the system is the one that put us here, we're the ones that allowed that system to exist because we created that system. Very true. Yeah. Uh, the government always in any situation comes from the people. Yeah. Um, and it can be argued, has been argued by, uh, by, by people smarter than us that, that the people get exactly the government they deserve. Yeah. Well, I, I think that's true. <laughs> I think we have. I want to bring up uh, a, a couple different ideas. We're already 41 minutes in. Sweet hell. Um, I want to bring up different ideas of what might means. Because ultimately, again, you know, we typically think of might as brute force or right. literal strength over another individual. Right. Um, when we're referencing the, the previous essays by uh, our high priest, Megas Gilmore or Magister Nemo, you know, they take a, a slightly separate view and, and sort of address that as, yes, that is a form, but there are many other forms of might right. as well. And doing any cursory research online. As did Anton run, LaVey. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're going to run into the fact that might is simply will exerted mm -hmm. in a form. And that form can take the form of knowledge. It can take the form of wisdom. It can take the form of skills or talents. Um, can you think of any examples, whether it's personal or, or greater, of using might in a way that is different than physically? Okay, well, I mean, you already mentioned it earlier, but the very idea of lesser magic in, mm -hmm. in Satanism is is the exercise of will to power uh, using uh, applied psychology and essentially manipulation yeah. uh, of, of the mindsets of others. And uh, anyone who has ever... Um, all right, for example... Um, you know, I used to be a security contractor, and uh, one of the uh, one of my bosses at, at the job, a client at the job, uh, he was a smoker. And uh, I always say, common wisdom is that you you don't do things like smoke around the client or whatever. But uh, we would uh, pitch ideas, and he'd shoot them down, pitch ideas, and shoot them down until one day I started going out to the smoke pit at the same time as him, and made all those deals happen because uh, I figured out what his pattern was um, and, and was able to uh, apply psychology and, and trickery to get him to see things my way. Mm -hmm. And I, yeah. that is an example, in my opinion, of, of will to power in a small degree. Small yeah. degree but, you know. No, but, <laughs> but a literal you know, example, because you exerted your will, you, you, you proved might over right. You didn't try to change his frame. You met him right. at his level and then changed his frame you know? and i didn't just take no for an answer and stomp away like a mad toddler either yeah. so. <laughs> um so lils malone brings up an example that i was going to uh, speak to here cancel culture has a lot of might they can end a career overnight and certainly again yeah. you may see this as bad or good depending on where you land you know politically or socially but the fact is is we're in a time in the world where if you engage in social media 
and you say the wrong thing and the wrong people hear it, you can be fired from your job. You can, um, you can lose your home. I mean, Absolutely. your entire world can collapse all around you simply because someone else didn't like your opinion or your comment. Now, right. I personally think that's disgusting, but the fact is you can't deny that they have the might, they have the power, and they're yeah. granted that power by people by others like they don't in inherently have it within themselves if cancel culture was just one person behind a keyboard that would have been an issue since the early 2000s <laughs> but it isn't it's only recent that it's become a real and issue. it'd be an issue very easy to fix if you were so right <laughs> but everyone gives their power to these people and hence just like the priest at the pulpit their whole community is giving them the power they're exerting their power over Absolutely. a greater group. And in some cases, those greater groups are corporations. They're people that get to say whether or not your opinion can even appear online, which is another insane idea. <laughs> but it exists and it's something that we have to accept. So for those- and It's, a, it's who, something you can see as well. Like uh, there's always, power dynamics are always at play. Yeah. Uh, groups and individuals are constantly struggling and, and fighting against one another for a variety of, of reasons. And you can tell um, those who are, because, it, okay, so it is possible uh, to have someone who is weak naturally uh, in the, I guess you could say, the, the powerful class. And it is possible to have someone who is strong naturally in the weaker class. Um, and we, that's why we see these things, like I mentioned earlier, revolutions and things like that. These things happen because when the, the powerful are actually weak, they're easy prey. And when the, the weak are actually powerful, they're going to overcome. And you can tell by watching what they call cancel culture, um, who in the, the group of targets is strong and who isn't. You know, there are several people who were uh, canceled mm -hmm. um, and went off to start their own networks, to start their own websites, to start their own servers, you know, server farms, to start everything. And they're doing wildly successful, uh, even though they were canceled by a certain group. And then you see other people who just fade away into, you know, celebrity nothingness yeah. who were targeted by it. So the power dynamics are still at play on, on all sides of that. Yeah. And that's the other side of this that we have to acknowledge is that it takes someone to accept that right. they have might exerted over them. Because we do see examples of uh, comedians uh, who just refuse to accept that they're gonna be canceled and they continue <laughs> on. They just say, right. no, I'm not gonna acknowledge that. I don't care what other people say about me. I'm just gonna continue doing what I do. And you can extrapolate that out to any industry. But mm -hmm. you know, we do have these movements like the uh, Me Too movement, the Black Lives Matter movement that exerted immense amount of power. And you can even go back further to, um, what was that millennial movement when the bank crisis hit? Oh, uh, Occupy Wall Street. Occupy Wall Street. Now, the outcome didn't really exist, but they yeah. worked uh, to stop traffic for a while. So. <laughs> well, and that's that's one thing. There, there are people who are objectively powerful in our society, yeah. Yeah. Uh, in all societies. And, and you know, I'm not going to throw out any specific names, but they're a good if you recognize that someone is objectively powerful within your society, they're a good uh, a person to watch and see how they respond to things. 
when they start being nervous about something, then you know that there's an actual change about to occur. When they're not nervous, nothing's happening. It's all performative theater at that point. Yeah. I think that's interesting because you gotta you gotta be careful about putting those individuals on pedestals as well, or else you oh certainly yeah, yeah another messiah. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, and so those would be the examples that I I would present that are not overtly strength or power like physical power based, but they are very mm -hmm. much will based. And um, actually, I'm trying to find the uh, Vasiri has a great comment here. Might can easily be manipulation over muscle. The strong are more powerful than the weak and the smart are more powerful than the strong. Right. And that's brilliant. It's absolutely true. And I think, yeah, I think, I think we mentioned that earlier in the yeah. confines of Satanism. It's a, it's a pretty well quoted idea that the strong rule the weak and the clever rule the strong. And of course, and, and even in the essay by uh, Magus Gilmore that you mentioned, uh, I believe he even ends that essay by saying something similar to that and adding that Satanists always strive to be the clever, Yeah, which I think is a very, very good point. Um, before we go into some of the contrasting questions that I have at the end of this, do you want to speak to egoism a little bit? Yeah, I, I felt like um, a discussion about this wouldn't be complete unless we discussed the philosophy of egoism. Uh, and I say that because egoism is... Uh, I guess you could say the undercurrent uh, for a lot of different philosophies and ideas, mm -hmm. um, including objectivism, individualism, uh, certain schools of thought with anarchism, and Satanism, most importantly, to what we're discussing. Um, so the the concept of egoism as a, as a philosophy, it started uh, basically with Max Stirner, and I'm not going to uh, copy... Uh, Kevin here and try to do a, a butchered German title, but the, the book is The Unique and Its Property, which you, of course, can get at underworldamusements.com. Um, this is where uh, Max Stirner presented the notion, the idea that uh, the only uh, basis for right is with what the individual can accomplish in their own individual life. So, um, so for example, uh, there, there are some quotes that, that give this a little uh, extra oomph. Uh, and one that really struck me and I really enjoyed was, uh, the tiger that attacks me has the right, and I who strike him down also have the right. I defend not my right against him, but rather myself. Yeah. And, and that notion, that idea is that, you know, the tiger that's attacking you has every right to attack you. You're in his, so we've talked about this before with hiking and you see uh, cougars mm -hmm. out, out on the trail. Um, that, that tiger is, is doing what he's got to do to survive, to eat, to whatever. And you've got to do what you got to do. And the only way there's going to be a justification of right at the end of that is whichever one of you is still standing. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and then, you know, some, some other gems, I think from his, uh, from his book, uh, People try to distinguish law from arbitrary command, from ordinance. The former comes from a rightful authority, but a law over human action, ethical law, state law, etc., is always a declaration of will, and so a command. Yes, even if I gave myself the law, it would only be my command, which I can refuse to obey at the next moment. 
Yeah, and I think that there's this this absolute commandment that one must never, you know, break. But it's just the law that we created. Right, <laughs> right, and and you know this uh, and this plays this plays into uh, the book Might Is Right by Ragnar Redbeard, which was written Redbeard Arthur Desmond was a uh, um, he had read Max Stirner, and in fact he sometimes uh, quotes Max Stirner in Might Is Right without ever acknowledging him. <laughs> uh, he does the egoist thing and and makes Max Stirner's words his own, much like Anton LaVey did with Ragnar Redbeard's words. Um, but uh, but I think it, it, it all boils down to with the concept of egoism. It all boils down to uh, uh, this you know this quote: "With right, one always asks, what or who gives me the right? Answer: God, love, reason, nature, humanity, etc. No, only your power, your strength gives you the right. Your reason, for example, may give it to you." And that speaks to what we were talking about with might being not just a concept of brawn, right? Yeah. It's this idea that there's an overarching reason, this concept of reason. Max Stern would call that a spook. You know, he would call that a, a ghost, uh, something we convince ourselves exists that doesn't, yet it still has power over us. Mm -hmm. But we have the ability to exercise individual reason. Yeah. And so our individual reason that comes from within us can then affect our world and express our will to power upon it. And that's where the ideas of manipulation and applied psychology and so on and so forth come in. So I felt it was very important because we are going to have to discuss the book Might is Right, even if we just do it very quickly, yeah. to, to provide the backdrop of where that book is coming from. And that is coming from the philosophy of egoism, yeah. much like Satanism is. Yeah, there's, there's a lot in Might and Right that I think is um, – ridiculous short-sighted foolhardy um but there is some <laughs> wisdom in there as well and, and you yeah. can't deny the truth when you read it because mm -hmm. objectively it's truth you know i mean and, and and truth is always real when it's not backed up not on opinion not on personal experience but on nature because that's where we all came from that's right. how we all engage in this reality it's through the laws of nature, whether we acknowledge them or not, whether we try to bend them or not, uh, depending on how right. you land on greater magic um, or tap <laughs> into it, as it were. But the truth is, is that, you know, the only reality is nature and, and how mm. it affects us and how we engage in it. And that includes maneuvering other people or moving around other people. Um, and right. that is my I, I want to make sure that when people think of might is right. They're not thinking of the racist, bigoted, sexist bullshit that's in there because <laughs> it's there. But instead, they're thinking of the concept behind it, which, though it's buried and weaved into all those ideas, is not um, connected to them inherently. Right. Might is right well, that... is an idea that is real and we live it every day and we see examples literally every day of it. Right. When, when um, I think when a lot of people uh, analyze the book, Might is Right, especially with its you know unique connection to um, to the Satanic Bible and to Anthony Malay and the Church of Satan, um, they they tend to throw the baby out with the bathwater. For and sure. They go yeah. like you know they all the the only good parts of Might is Right is is what Anton Malay used to to craft the Book of Satan. Now that's not true. 
that's not true. The entire book is worth a read, and it is it is jam packed with with an I, with a, a singular idea, and that idea is that the consistent core of might is right is the individual is against everything but the self, and any means of proliferation of the self is the only good. Yeah. Might is the power of the individual, and that is the only foundation of right. Yeah, and. So you can, and I could pick apart and go back and forth and say like, okay, well, on this page, you know, uh, Ragnar Redbeard or Arthur Desmond was extremely racist, but on this page, he, he praised a, a black revolutionary. And both of those things exist, but it doesn't matter. Um, trying to break down the book in that way doesn't matter. You have to break it down in the sense of what can I glean from this? And, and I think that the power of the individual being the only foundation of right is a very powerful message and that it's done in such an absolutely diabolical way within Might is Right, where, where it is, is just a rant. It's a 200-page rant yeah. <laughs> about everything, um, everything that has stood on top of, uh, of, of men who has held them down, who has uh, enslaved them mentally. It just rails against all of it. And you can see that in the way that it's influenced people because yes, you're absolutely right. It's a very racist and very sexist book, but it was used, uh, by, uh, uh, the suffragette movement. It was quoted in many of their journals and their magazines. So as sexist as it is, women still found empowerment from it. Mm -hmm. It was used, uh, by the black power movement in the late sixties. Um, uh, they were quoted, they, they recorded albums, uh, citing entire sections of might is right. Communists used this and quoted it. The, uh, the uh, labor unions used it and quoted it. Of course, Satanists used it and quoted it. And of course, the elephant in the room, yes, neo-Nazis used it and quoted it as well. Yeah. Um, but it, it's we, as we've set up and we've discussed, there's so many uh, dynamics of, of individual and group will to power happening around us at all times. The fact that these wildly disparate groups could all gain some type of, of inspiration from this book means it is a powerful book and one that any Satanist worth their salt, their salt should read and, and try to understand. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Again, you know, to your point, it is very much a rant. He retreads old ground a lot in it. Yeah. So, you know, <laughs> you got to buckle in for the ride. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but there are audio versions. I, I've created an audio version of it as well. So, you know, if you want to, if you want to wade through it that way, you're more than welcome. Uh, thanks for joining at the end, Jane. It's good to see you. Um, okay, so I want to ask some questions that are a bit of provoking, um, a little <laughs> contrasting to what we've spoken to thus far. But if someone is out there and they're saying, no, 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 if everyone has their own version of what right is, then how can one individual's right, simply because they can dominate another, actually be considered right? Mm, that's the rub. When isn't perspective it? comes into play, <laughs> you know, what do you think? I think that uh, the idea of right uh, growing from the concept of might uh, makes it so that uh, you can argue against it from a intellectual level. But as with I said with the Stirner quote and the tiger, if the tiger kills you, your intellectual babble about how it shouldn't do that doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, and the other side it of this is that not because we've talked about the fact that there, 
physicality is not the beginning and end of might. If not you're incapable of exerting your might as a species, as a member of the species, you shouldn't have the right to share your idea of what is right. Of course because not, you can't no. exercise the power that you have within you. And if you don't have it, then I certainly don't want you to use it because it's <laughs> going to be some sort of pathetic weak well, can version. You, can you imagine? We already, you and I both, and we discussed this at length uh, off of podcasts, but uh, uh, we both have issues with certain things in the way society is run. Yeah. Uh, and we talk about them, we bitch about them. Sometimes we do things to, to try and affect change with them. But can you imagine how terrible society would be if only the weak were in charge? If those who didn't have an original concept in their head, who can never invent anything, who can never write a good story, who can never paint a pretty picture, or who had no way of distributing this to the masses, if they were the ones in charge? I mean, that's a nightmare. It's a dystopian <laughs> future. Like, <laughs> it's like the time machine. You know, you go back and there's just all these people laughing and playing and dancing, ignoring that the fact that they're being hunted and murdered for their flesh <laughs> right. by the underworldlings. But they're just like, la, la, la. you know, it's just this insane, like, Looney Tunes world. <laughs> it doesn't right. make or, any or, sense. You know, if, if, if we could take it back even to the, to the ancient world, because, you know, there's, there's pretty good evidence that human life began in, in Africa. Um, can you imagine what the world would look like right now if if all the people who had dared to to walk to another continent had just been executed yeah. because oh that's that's a scary idea you know the the they they suffer the uh the what is it copernicus uh <laughs> injustices and and we never know that rest of all of human civilization takes place on the one continent we have no idea that there's an entire world out there that we yeah. could explore that's yeah. that's a terrifying concept I do want to put one little uh, pin in the, the board here. Anton is saying, I would love to kill a man um, who's about to kill me or Tiger. That would be sweet. And I would say, as, as Satanists, whenever we're <laughs> referencing the idea of killing someone else or sacrificing someone else, um, it's, it's through ritual, uh, not literally going over and killing them. Now, you may live in a region of the world where you know, maybe you have standard ground laws or maybe there's you know, right. ways to get around and, and you don't take any tell, con I, suffer any consequences. I'll tell you this right now, if I could interject real quick, yeah. saying something like that online will get you convicted even if you're standing your ground. Yeah, so uh, maybe just shut up about it. <laughs> <laughs> maybe don't. <laughs> don't say it. Uh, I, 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 and here's the thing, like as, as a Satanist, I don't have any idea of sanctity of life. I think that's a bullshit idea that was made up by right. other humans. I don't, I don't actively care about other humans that are not in my circle that I have drawn around those other humans that I care about. Um, but the reality is, is that I don't want to kill other people. I, I just, it, I'm focused on me. I'm not focused on others. If, if I was so focused on others so much that I wanted to murder them because they bothered me so much, then there's a deficiency here that I'm not paying attention to. I need Certainly, to work yeah. here, not over there. So Right, and, and you know, this is... So again, look to the natural world and, and might is right being the key. If you look to the natural world and let's erase the idea of me versus a tiger. Mm -hmm. um, let's, let's just take two tigers and you put two tigers from opposing territories, opposing areas in front of one another. They'll growl and they'll scratch the ground and they'll, you know, proverbially uh, thump their chest all day long, but they'll do everything they can not to fight one another. Because in the actual moment, when it becomes brawn versus brawn, even if you're stronger, 
you could get an injury from that situation. It's so much better just to pound your chest till the other guy backs down or back down yourself if it means staying alive. Self-preservation is the highest law. Right. And and you can always exert your will to power in other ways. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I didn't mean to pick on you at all. Um, that's, <laughs> I, I just saw and I had, I felt like I had to say something and uh, uh, Lilith points it out. You'd be their slave in that particular case. Uh, absolutely yeah. right. Okay, so here's another one. We're already over our time limit, so let me let, let's just do this last one here. Sure. If nature and natural behavior or natural order defines right, mm -hmm. why do human animals seem to oppose it so naturally? Why why do we as as products of nature seem to so frequently go against our own very nature so often? Mm -hmm. Have you seen this at all? I I understand the concept. Yeah. Um, I think that what is actually happening is not always as, as clear as what is, uh, as what is said to happen. I, I think that it is, it is a human trait to try and, uh, defy natural law, but they only do it with their thought when, and when in action, in action, they exude might is right in every step of the way. But in thought, they'll say, oh, no, that's wrong. That's terrible. And I think a lot of that comes from the idea that, well, if you acknowledge might is right, then you have to acknowledge that the people who are powerful are you know, powerful for a reason. And you'll never be powerful. Well, that's I think we've established in this conversation that is not the case. Yeah. Um, admitting that might is right does not necessarily mean that you'll never be up here. And of course, it doesn't mean that there's not going to be someone over you at some point. Um, but it doesn't matter. Uh, all the all the bloviation, all the you know crying about uh, well, might is right. It's such a a terrible and brutal worldview. It is a brutal worldview, and that's just how the world is. And while you're crying about it, you're still living it mm -hmm. every single day. Yeah, and I would I would argue this idea that 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 we saw come out of the Me Too movement, this idea of living your truth. I personally hate mm -hmm. that phrase. I, I hate everything that it represents. But behind that statement is literally exerting your will, exerting your might, exerting Certainly. your strength. Yes. So what, what it's saying, even though it, it tends to be used not directly in this way, but to your point is ultimately using might, is saying mm -hmm. that I'm not going to conform what society says I should be. I'm going to stand up for my individual strength and, and as I see my own justice, mm -hmm. And I'm going to demand that other people recognize my truth. Now, of course, right, right. that only matters to you as it should. But the fact that you could be strong enough to do that, I got to tip my cap, even if I disagree with Absolutely, it. Absolutely, yeah. Because it's someone exerting their own will. And I respect that more than someone supplicating someone else's. Mm -hmm. and, and they're using they're using the system at play too. So you, it can be argued that there is a, a sense of weakness that you're you're calling on the government or society to do this thing for you. But that's the tool at your disposal, mm -hmm. right? At the end of the day, uh, use someone like um, Harvey Weinstein, for example, one one of the I guess you could say biggest um, <laughs> targets of the Me Too this movement. Guy. Justifiable, <laughs> I would argue, but yeah. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> from from what I can tell, the guy's a complete scumbag. Yeah. But um, but at the end of the day, it wasn't just uh, uh, people tweeting and people making Facebook posts and raising awareness and and whatever else that did it. At the end of the day, they utilized a system 
that was in place, and they sent men with guns to pick up this fat piece of shit and drag him to a big box where he's watched over by other strong men to punish him for what he had uh, for exerting his will to power on them. Yeah. Uh, they exercised it greatly by utilizing the tools at their disposal and the system that they can work with it. Yeah. To me, that is a perfect example of might is right, whether yeah. I like it or not, like you said. Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, is there anything else that you want to clarify before we close down our conversation today? You know, so much. As always, <laughs> we, could, we could talk for three or four hours about something like this, and there's so many nuances I know we didn't get to. Um, what, what I would encourage people to do, though, um, we've mentioned several things out there. Uh, uh, the essay from Magus Peter H. Gilmore is within the Satanic Scriptures. Yeah. Go get that book. Read it. Um, the essay uh, from Magister Nemo was from uh, The Fire From Within. Uh, I believe he only sells that on his website. But yes, go and get that. Um, and, and we mentioned some books, uh, or I mentioned some books like The Unique in Its Property by Max Sterner. Obviously, Might is Right by Ragnar Redbeard. Uh, and one that we didn't really get to talk about, but The Gospel of Power by Dora Marsden. Um, I highly recommend those books to anyone who is interested in the concept of Might is Right, even if you're not going to agree with it. Mm -hmm. read, read, uh, read the book. Uh, read the books and understand what the, the concept actually is and then look at the world around you and see if it applies. And maybe you'll be the person who has the, the earth-shaking philosophical moment that it doesn't. But the only way you can get there is if you uh, go to underworldamusements.com and buy <laughs> those books. <laughs> I'm reminded of reading Rainbow, but don't take my word for it. <laughs> read it yourself. <laughs> I loved that show as a kid. That was so great. Where's our modern reading Rainbow? It encourages kids to read. Come on, people. Right. Seriously. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Um, well, thank you all so much for tuning in. And Jeff, it's always so great to talk with you. Thanks for joining me, man. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me on. And thank you for coming up with this idea. I think it was a fantastic idea. Well, I stole it from you, but <laughs> I appreciate it nonetheless. <laughs> uh, where can people find you online? Uh, all right. So I got a lot of stuff in the works I'm not going to get into right now. But uh, as we mentioned at the top of the show, um, if you are a veteran and a Satanist, make sure you check out infernallegion.org and all of our various social media pages. Um, uh, and yeah, for now, I'm just going to leave it at that. Okay. Yeah. Legion.org. Mysterious projects in the work. All right. <laughs> Interest is peaked. <laughs> right. I'll um, be back on in a month to talk about it. <laughs> well, I, I genuinely appreciate you guys in the chat room. I'm sorry. We didn't have an opportunity to get to everyone's questions or comments. Um, the truth is, is most people see these after the fact anyway. And when I'm having an engaging conversation with someone, it's really hard for me. To, I tried to pull away and, and look at the different things being yeah. said in the chat, but it, it does become very challenging. So I do genuinely appreciate you guys' time and attention. I know it's a Friday night. You could be out with your significant other, having a hell of a time, but you chose to spend it with us. I'm going to pass judgment on that, but I appreciate it nonetheless. So thanks uh, for, for it. And uh, if you ever want to learn more about Satanism or the Church of Satan, read the Satanic Bible. Visit churchofsatan.com. It'll do you a hell of a lot of good. And if you feel like you know what Satanism is all about, whether you're a Satanist or not. You probably don't. So read the Sedana Bible and visit churchofsatan.com. Educate yourselves because uh, you would be surprised. And um, until we can speak of the devil again, hail Satan. Hail Satan.